Hello and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I'm one of your hosts. Every week we bring you interviews with makers and artists of all kinds from all over the world who identify as female, non-binary, or transgender. Today's episode is something a little bit different. It is a conversation between myself and my co-host, Katie Thompson of Women of Woodworking and Pen and Chisel, the online journal. Uh, It's been a while. It's been a minute since Katie and I had a chit chat. And so it was great to just catch up on things. um, And we spend quite a bit of time talking about growing equity and inclusion in the community of craft, what resources are out there right now, um, how we're both getting involved, and a little bit about, you know, how others can get involved as well. So great conversation, great topics to be covering. Before getting into that conversation with Katie, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Matthew from Artigiano Serio for being our main podcast sponsor this month. And thank you in addition to Candice, CJ Woodgrain, Lee, Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy, Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel, Moody Makes, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support helping to produce the podcast every week. <clears throat> and uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please stick around to the very end so you can find out ways for you to support as well. All right, let's head on into the conversation with the Katie's. <laughs> so hi, Katie. How are you doing? Hi, Katie. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm down to like counting the days down till my last day of work and like when I officially start as a graduate student. So that's right. That's yeah. so exciting. <laughs> I know. Do you, when do you start? Excited. September? Um, I have my graduate student orientation on August 17th and school starts on the 22nd. So um yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Family's taking a big vacation to kind of your neck of the woods. I mean, not right next door, but Smoky Mountains area is where we're taking a vacation to. Oh, um, fun. Yeah, yeah, that's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> close enough. I'm thinking, I don't know if I planned that well in August. It's probably going to be very hot. Um <laughs> <laughs> even in the mountains yes <laughs> yeah yeah but looking forward to to doing some of that and then getting into I'm I was finding myself I'm looking for some on-campus work you know to do just because um, I'm lucky enough the program's fully paid for I won't have to take like loans or anything like that but I still won't be like making an income to bring home so I was like okay let's look at some on-campus jobs and I found myself at first like looking at stuff that like I've always done like for the last you know almost 20 years and I'm like wait a second I could do something completely different Um, because even on-campus work is like an opportunity to learn something completely new so every aspect it's like I get to spend two years doing art I'm super excited (laughs) 
so excited for you. Like that, that's like a dream come true. And like, congratulations on, you know, the program, but you're, you're absolutely right. And, and this is one thing that I dealt with, like going into like arts management and also like trying to develop my own artistic voice was like time, like school. Yes, it's paid for, but there's so much cost in the time that you're going to spend, you know, outside of just being in class and getting there and stuff. So, um, I'm, I'm thrilled for you. And I'm, I'm so excited to see, like, I can already tell that you have like a new perspective on things and, um, such an exciting time. I am like, I think I'm just equally as excited to like, take what I learned, kind of like, let it simmer up there and then like share it as much as possible. Um, cause that definitely is like one of the reasons is like, I want to help break down that barrier for people who don't get to the opportunity to go to school and learn the things that I'm going to be learning. Cause I can tell you running a business for almost six years, it's like, this isn't all easy information to, to find of just like navigating the industry. Like art is an industry and I don't, nobody tells you that. Like in art school, I don't think. Um, so, which they really should, because I think like that's like a key proponent of like how somebody can go to art school and like actually make a livable wage for themselves after the fact. And absolutely, and like this is something that we've run into as like furniture makers and you know people, you know, artists making commissions and working mm-hmm. kind of that way. It's like we had to kind of sit down and say, okay, are, are we artists or are we a business? Cause you know, you have to approach it, approach, approach things two different ways, but no matter what, like you have to realize that you, when you become a self-proprietor, like you are your business. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, there are so many things that they don't teach you. And <laughs> um, you know, that's why I feel like we're, we're lucky to live in like the virtual age and like also where there's a lot of maker spaces and like community-based mm-hmm. organizations and places like a workshop of our own, mm-hmm. um, furniture society that are doing a lot of like virtual courses as well. Like I know I took a, an accounting course, maybe it was a taxes course. Well, that shows you how much I pay attention <laughs> to it. Uh, virtually about a year ago, but it was like something that like I've been wanting to do and like needed to do. And I just like finally like sat down and did it and was like, okay, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, there's so much. And like, that's, I, I, if I could be a lifelong student, I would, I can't afford <laughs> to do that, you know? So um, I just like research on my, my own free time and, you know, stay up to the wee hours of the night, mm-hmm. <laughs> searching the library of Congress or whatever. But um, that's, you know, that's the exciting thing about school. And like, also, I know for me, I wish when I was younger, I would have, uh, you know, and this is just how you are at 19, 20, yeah. um, the value of time and that some things take time, you know, at that, I remember being very impatient and like mm-hmm. wanting to <laughs> get this, you know, perception down. I wanted to, you know, be able to draw really well. I wanted to be able to do this. And like, now that I'm older, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, now I really see the value of, of like the instruction and the guidance. And instead of just like trying to, to rush, to be something, just letting it be itself so yeah um I think that's I think that's definitely something that comes with age and I think 
maybe and maybe this is why they don't I think if you know if you get like a bachelor's degree in some kind of um, art or design program and they don't have that business stuff I almost do wonder at 19 20 21 22 is it going to really like connect and sink in the idea I mean granted the 20 year olds now have grown up with social media and probably really understand that much better than you or I understood that at that age um but but still like I don't know like I feel like some of the things I just feel like so many things that I've learned in life had to be learned the hard way like I don't know if like it had been given to me of like here's you know steps one through ten and then you'll be successful or whatever at that age like I don't know if I would have fully grasped it yeah and I it was um I remember like hearing this statement a few weeks ago um at an event I was attending but like there is no magic formula you know otherwise we would are all yes. already know it and be doing it you know and and that's another thing that's just like hard to for to also like come to terms with I know at that young age it's like okay there isn't going to be a, a magic formula you have to keep working mm-hmm. no matter what like you have to keep trying things and trying different things if things don't work out yep. um yeah learning that the hard way there are some things you know that reminds me like you know when I was first learning woodworking you know how wood moves and mm-hmm. you know you just can't do certain things with it and it will snap and um yeah I've, yeah. I've, you know, tried now that I'm a little bit older to, you know, like watch. And yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not get yeah. all up in it, but right. But yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. So, you know, um, I hated being told that when I was younger, but yep. there are just some yep. things and it's just the way it is. So I think, I mean, some of it probably comes from, I think we still do put a lot of pressure on um, our young people to make them think that at the age of 18, they have to know what they want to do with the rest of their life, as well as like, they have to become successful, like by some deadline is like, time, like this idea that you expire at some point in time, when I'm like, no, like, you know, my sisters give me a hard time last year, I turned 40. So they've always called me old, but they're young. <laughs> so. <laughs> But they give me a hard time and I'm like, no, you, you like don't understand, like, at least personally, I wasn't upset about hitting 40 because I was like, especially my late thirties were actually really awesome. Like I felt like I learned a lot about myself and learned a lot about like just my role in community and society and parenting and all of those things. Like, so it can only get better. Like that's why I am completely serious. I mean, you could not pay me to relive my 20s. Like, there is no way I would ever do that. Um, but I did what 20-year-olds do, right? You make a lot of stupid decisions in your 20s um, because you're learning how to live life um, yeah. on your own as an adult, not with parents telling you how to do things. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's wild how we like thrust 18 year olds out into the world and like, all right, you're an adult now. But then we still in a lot of ways have not prepared them to mm-hmm. be adults. 
um, I'm with you. Like people are like high school, you know, college were the best years of my life. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I did. I did appreciate college only because I felt like I finally found a community who was like, I mean, of course there were people there who were like just there because their parents told them to be there. But I felt like I did find a community who was like, interested in learning like that felt really good to me like I never like I was the nerd in high school and I never found that like group of people who who really geeked out about just learning in general um but still yeah I wouldn't I would not go back and I think that's changed my perspective with like my own kids like I don't preach college I preach curiosity and interest Um, and it's like, no, let's just find things you're interested in and then learn the heck out of it. Like, let's just figure it all out. Um, cause I think that's a skill that will transfer to whatever you end up doing. And let's be real, our kids, your and my kids are probably going to have like 50 different careers in their adult lifetime. (laughs) We've already had 20, so (laughs) not looking good. No, I know. I know. Um, Okay. So I know, I don't know how, I hope the podcasters, like the pod squad knows this by now, but you're like, you have fingers in all these different places and know all these different resources and things going on kind of in the world of craft. And so I do like want to just spend time catching up with you about like, what's going on out there? Where should people be like checking out? that kind of stuff yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love it um you're you're right I do have <laughs> my hands in a lot of things um but at the same time like uh it's really exciting you know we talk about being young again you know just think of where I, I was I remember being in this house just like sobbing one day because I was like I'm never gonna be there I'm never gonna find my way you know like um and now I can sit here and be like girl calm down yeah um you know it takes time today's episode is sponsored by athena outfitters athena outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hard-working women that sells everything badass beauties need to get the job done from work boots to basics they curate the toughest essentials made to help you perform every piece is handpicked to seamlessly slide right into your daily lifestyle from rugged and roguish weekday wear to effortless weekend flair. You can fill your closet with gear that can do it all. So for Christmas, I ordered my wife like a very nice pair of slippers from Athena Outfitters and she loves them. Loves them so much that she has accidentally gone to the gym and the grocery store in them because they seem to never leave her feet. So definitely a place to go check out, go get the goods that help you not only out in the shop, but just in your daily uh, work around the house and outdoors. As a listener of the podcast, you can go to Athena Outfitters website and use coupon code MM, as in M&Ms, 15 for 15% off any purchase. So again, you go to athenaoutfitters.com and use the code MM15 and get 15% off of your purchase at checkout. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but you know that's that's the thing again that i feel like i can offer to the community um i wish that i could be this like fantastic artist and have these great techniques and be able to teach everyone and like i have so much respect for the people in our community that do that because that is hard hard work it's hard physical work it's hard mental work emotional work um it's beautiful and then to be able to create your own work on top of teaching or sharing or whatever it is you do mm -hmm. um it's just really wonderful at the same time um I i'm really grateful that the community has also seen my strengths in writing talking to folks interviewing gathering stories sharing them you know amplifying um i i love finding opportunities and connecting people and seeing what can can grow from that um i i just genuinely really love being of service um so at the same time you know it, it's hard you know especially like having you know physical limitations and disabilities that keep me from creating all the things i want to create at, at the same time um the world has seen you know what my strengths are and it's really it's been beautiful the support that i've received and everything i've been able to do so um i i love my job i just <laughs> literally you know i get to talk about woodworking all day and craft and um do research and and history and um you know um just talk about things that i'm i'm interested in and i think it really matters you know when you do take the time to find your voice and this is something that you know i obviously struggled with early on and and maybe now that's why it's resonating is you know i know who i am i know what i'm interested in mm -hmm. um i know the stories that are important to me that i i feel like you know are important to be to be shared and there's just a confidence that you get over time um and it's a kind of a contentment almost mm -hmm. you know it's just like i'm 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 in the right spot you know maybe not in my greater life you know right, I, right. I might be living in a burning building but <laughs> you know this 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 sweet spot is here and um i think that's something a lot of creative people and artists can connect with and that's why we create is is seeking that like presence of moment and like ah. mm -hmm. um so i get to talk about that all day and um you know work with organizations that are so passionate about in improving education and access and um, have really listened to me as a woman, as a person with a disability in this community and not just say, oh, that would be too hard. Like, you know, uh, that I have created my own spot at the table. And mm -hmm. um, of course, I'm bringing everybody with me. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's there's a there's so many things, um, you know, I know it's hard. We, you know, before we started recording, we're talking about, you know, kind of the state of things, really easy to get down and, and hard, hard on the state of the world and the state of society. And, you know, where, where does that place us as people? How does that affect us as makers in our craft, as business owners, as mm -hmm. parents, partners, you know, all the, the many things we have. Um, but this is, this is where the hope and, and the joy lies. And this is where the opportunity to really, to really rebuild lies. And there are a lot of opportunities, you know, and a lot of small changes, they seem like small changes, but they're all, they're all part of this bigger wave um, that I can see from my perspective, um, that at least within the, the making, the craft, and especially the woodworking world, um, organizations are listening people are listening the people with with power with the audiences you know are being called out 
um, mm-hmm. pretty systematically. And um, h- however you feel about that, the conversation has to has to be had. And that that is alone, you know, something that, you know, it has to happen. It is it is tremendous progress from us burying our head in the sand and pretending like it doesn't exist because there are still plenty of people out there that are, are trying to do that. Don't get me wrong. Um, but seeing, you know, the initiatives, the scholarships, um, the grants, the investment of organizations and and also other foundations that might not necessarily do the work, but want to give the money, mm-hmm. have a specialized interest in advancing the work and voices of, you know, by POC women, LGBTQ plus artists, makers, um, uh, you know, a lot of underrepresented, you know, historically underrepresented voices for whatever reason haven't had access so removing those mm-hmm. barriers and then also once once they're making their work giving them the opportunities that they need to thrive and survive as artists so um i'm working i'm so grateful to be on the board of the furniture society that has just been i i've only <laughs> been there you know on the board like six months but having worked with them for the last year and a half it's really been transformative for me as an artist, and it's also been transformative for my projects, specifically the Women of Woodworking Project, the time and energy that they have taken to sit and listen and you know, strategically plan programming, um, find makers that we haven't worked with before that might have a unique perspective um, or aren't typically seen you know, in the pages of mm-hmm. our popu- most popular you know, woodworking magazines. Um, they're really making the effort. So when they asked me to join the board after having, you know, done the Women of Woodworking Affinity Group with them for a year, I I was just super honored because to me, it was just validation and confirmation of like, you're doing good work. Here's a boost. And like to have them as a partner in just me personally, and then to be a part of that organization as a whole, it's just really, I'm in awe, you know, um, having known the history of the organization and the people that have, have worked to keep it going. And then also um, transforming its own identity. You know, I think for a long time, people looked at studio furniture, woodworking, and and still do as, you know, traditionally white male dominated. And that was, you know, or even, you know, getting into like elitist, you know, if you want to get into classism, you know, DIY versus fine furniture um, conversations. The thing that I really love about what Monica and Pam and the entire board are doing are are trying to be as inclusive as possible and really trying to turn that on its head. And I'm really excited to see where we'll be at three to five years from now, because how much we have been able to change, even how I viewed the organization um, in the past year and a half. And now knowing like, you know, seeing what's happening on the inside, Mm -hmm. um, it's really exciting. And then also... making it a priority to invest in things like education. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of resources for, for woodworking education out there. There's a lot of really talented, knowledgeable folks, schools, institutions, um, but there's a lot of gaps that still need to be filled, yeah. you know, um, topics like, you know, accounting and bookkeeping, marketing, um, you know, websites, photo editing, little things like that, that every artist and maker is going to have to, you know, at some point mm-hmm. in your career, you're going to have to, so, you know, solve a problem with some of these skills that you may have never even talked about, you know, in yeah. art school or your education before. So um, really excited about the prof- professional development track we had at our virtual conference 
um, in June this past month. And um, I was a presenter, but then I attended like the entire rest of the week and we're watched recordings um, as an attendee because I learned so much. Like there is still so much, you know, that I, I was able to get from it. And there was really something for everyone and mm -hmm. a lot, a great variety of topics, a lot of experts. Um, but the other thing is to, okay, you know, we're bringing these experts to the table, giving them the opportunity to present. How do we make sure the people that need access to these resources get to that, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's where the Schooner Foundation particularly came in and sponsored 20 scholarships um, for women and BIPOC uh, makers to be able to attend the full conference and also get a free you know, year-long membership to the Furniture Society so they can keep fostering this foundation that they're going to build there. Um, and that was just huge. And seeing the applicants and, um, you know, I was able to serve as like a mentor. We did mentor sessions and portfolio review sessions and um, being able to talk to some of the recipients and see some of their work. It's just like, ah, this is, this is it, you know, yeah. and also bringing in people to serve on scholarship committees and things like that, that have a vested interest in, you know, equity and accessibility, have, you know, a unique perspective um, within the woodworking and furniture making community. Um, I'm just really proud, the work is being done. It takes time, but I, I can promise you there, the work is being done and there are enough people um, that are kind of checking each other <laughs> to make sure that the work gets done too. You know, I, I love that um, about that organization is, is it's just so incredibly supportive, but. Um, I mean, I've, uh, in, and I've said it on here. So very recently I joined as a member of the Furniture Society. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be open and honest. Like I knew this work was going on. Um, you know, some of this work was going on, but I kept watching like my newsletters and I, until I saw like the, the speakers released for the um, conference, which I didn't get to attend, but I at least saw like who was going to be speaking. That's when I was like, okay, now I see it reflected and now I'm willing to give my money. Um, and that's not to say I was necessarily like, I guess I was a little bit withholding. Um, and, and that's because it's like, I think there's like a lot of really great people involved in this. I'm still just not seeing like it come to fruition. And, um, you know, I will say, I agree that I think it's definitely like now kind of it's, it's being seen the work that's been going on in the background and, and lifting up other voices. Um, yeah, I guess I just wanted to put that out there because I know that there's a previous episode where I was like, eh, I still think they need to do a little work. I think they need to do a little work. Uh <laughs> well, no, and it's, it's like you talked about. And like, first of all, like, it's never my intention to pressure anyone, like listeners, especially yeah. like you can be successful and do what you need to do. And, uh, you know, times are what they are like money you know you are the best judge of where your money is going right. to be spent so i totally respect that and especially when you're coming at it like this is a business expense as well yeah. you know yeah. like this isn't you know um so all of that has to be taken into consideration and then i totally i totally hear you on that like and i appreciate that feedback and and like we said before like we have to have these conversations of keep saying, well, what about here? What about addressing this? 
you know, and um, making mistakes. I know me mm-hmm. personally, you know, that's something we talked about is like, you're, you're going to, to right. screw up <laughs> in this. You're going to mess up. And um, that's not to say that, you know, what we're doing is perfect or is going to be the right. end all. Um, I get super excited over, you know, seemingly small steps and you're right. Um, and maybe, you know, on, on the back end, you know, it is really easy to see, you know, okay, up front, you know, this is being done, but it does take time for the effects to come to fruition for it to be seen mm-hmm. even more. So now that you've joined, that's why conversations like the one we're having are so important is that it keeps going, you yeah. know, that it's yeah. not just a one-time, okay, they had a great conference, Right. You know, okay, well, what's our programming going to be like for the rest of the year? You know, what new initiatives are we starting? You know, who, you know, what are our grants? You know, there's so many things to that. And so I, I'm someone that as long as it's, you know, with good intent, you can always tell when somebody's right. approaching with good intent. Right. Um, I, I welcome the, cha- not challenge. Um, I welcome like to be challenged, to be better. And to improve because that's what I'm here for. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, to that degree, like, yeah, I've been like for the past few years, two or three, I think um, I've been giving as like a annual membership to both crafting the future, which is like solely focused on like um, the BIPOC community and getting um, people from those communities into whatever craft and art that they really have a, have a passion for. Um, so I've been giving to them and then also giving to uh, Woo. And so <clears throat> like those were things where it's like, I'm, I'm being very, um, not, I don't wanna say cautious, but I'm being very intentional with where like I'm putting my money. And it's like, I can understand, like I understood the whole time. Like I knew you were on the board. I know other people who are on the board. I'm like all awesome people, all good hearts, all great intentions. I need to see the the fruits of the labor before I'm will like before I'm gonna put my name there. Like because I'm trying to stand for something, right? And stand maybe firm in and all of my values. And I want people to see that when they look at me, like to see if somebody did an audit on my finances, where they see my money go, you know, like that's what, that's what I want um, to show up. And so it was like, okay, once I, you know, and I've had conversations with Monica and Pam and and all of them. And I say the same things to them too. It's like, you're doing great. I just need you to do a little bit more. Like, um, and, and in that regard, I applaud like you, who's kind of gone in and like, you're doing the work. That's one of those places where I've also had to draw some lines for myself of like, not only where am I putting my money, where am I putting my energy? Um, and I think most people understand by now that I don't have a ton of time. <laughs> it's just lying around. So I'm not going to take any of that lying around time, um, <laughs> put it somewhere. I, you know, it's, it's very, very intentional. Um, and, and I think at least personally, recently I've liked focusing locally. So I wanted to, like, I thought about this when you were talking about all of these great resources out there. There's these great resources that you can definitely find like on social media, 
But believe it or not, there are still even young people who are not on social media. And I'm thinking to myself, like the feedback I get, and I'm even thinking of my own state, the state of Iowa. We have a few maker spaces, not very many though. And as far as like a craft school uh, versus, you know, like a, a university or, um, what am I thinking? The two-year schools. Why is that slipping my mind? Oh, uh, like community colleges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, besides those, right? Which um, there's there's no there are no craft schools. There are no like I have to travel, you know, if I want to go somewhere like a Penland or something like that. Like it's gonna be a place to travel to, and especially now that I'm a parent, that becomes like even more difficult because it's you're talking about time away from home, all of those things. Um, and so I was thinking about this like this idea of like maybe not necessarily rural, but still like not in large cities where like all of these resources seem to be much more like abundant and talked about and available like what are your thoughts especially maybe from the viewpoint of like you're on a board of a place that's probably has this on their radar to some degree like how how do we get this accessible in the sense of like the those places that aren't as populated those places that like you know yeah, absolutely. This is something kind of like near and dear to my heart. Living in rural South Carolina, you know, um, art has saved me, you know, mm -hmm. and I I've, was very lucky to have just enough people, you know, and just enough access to resources that I was like, okay, like I can do theater, I can do this. Yeah. Um, but as they remove funding for that in schools, they take mm -hmm. those outlets, those opportunities away. So it's hugely important that someone is is showing kids that hey this exists this is this is right. out there this is something that you can even just have fun with your brain with that you mm -hmm. need to to know about um it's a it's you know it's a huge issue especially you know living in rural places as as we do but then it's also you know you think about in the cities and you think about cost of living you know yeah. and overheads and maker spaces and like I love hearing about you know places in in Brooklyn and then like Allied Woodshop in LA like mm -hmm. very heavily populated you know cities where they've been able to make do you know find a space and make it their own and and still have that community woodshop aspect right in a place that's not typically you know viewed as like a welcoming space to mm -hmm. you know you think of woodshop you think in the like you said yep. in the woods in the country um so there i think it's incredibly important that we you know support initiatives like that because there are also just as there are kids in rural you know counties and places here there are kids in the cities that are you know don't have access to mm -hmm. to these things that could really enrich their life you know, whether they decide to become an artist or not, it's just right. something beautiful that people need to enjoy. And, and that alone is, is worth trying to fight to bring that to, to folks. Um, you know, I'm really interested in looking for grants, you know, big issue for me when I was, you know, just starting out was living in rural South Carolina. Mm -hmm. The nearest big craft show was in Atlanta, you know, three to four hours away. Um, and that, that was driving, you know, and then beyond that, it was okay. 
Chicago, New York, right? You know, St. Paul, Baltimore. There was really nothing really big on the eastern seaboard, you know, in the in the southeastern, unless you went to you know Florida, and that that can be tricky for woodworkers, especially mm-hmm. if you're coming from out of town, just wood movement and, and things like that. But then you you know approach shipping costs, and then yep. if you're doing a show, you've got show costs, and it is extremely prohibitive for emerging artists, especially um, that may not have, you know, financial mm-hmm. backing or, you know, a regular steady flow of income um, to make those things happen. Yep. And so um, really interested. Um, I know we have the Furniture Society um, has the FASO program, which works to help offset, you know, pay for shipping car- costs for artists that are, are traveling kind of cross country and, and things like that. And I think there needs to be more programs like that, that help bridge those gaps, you know, we're not going to be able to, to change the shipping industry, but we right. can create resources for artists to access um, that will enable them to pursue their goals and pursue their dreams and, you know, get to an exhibition, you know, um, I know so many artists is kind of typical, you, you know, often just send the piece and you yeah. don't even get to attend the event or anything like that, which like the virtual world is, has somewhat helped with that, but there definitely need to be more resources for people to be able to participate in, in these types of things. Same goes for, you know, educational workshops. Mm-hmm. You know, it's extremely prohibitive for a lot of people to take a week off from their work, their lives, their families, um, travel to the mountains, pay for a course, pay for room and board, pay for gas, pay for you know, all the things that it takes to, to do for that. And if we are really wanting to make this as inclusive and accessible as possible, you know, I understand that, you know, we have to keep our doors open and things like that, but this is where the work has to be done. And Mm -hmm. so, um, well, I always wonder, like, I mean, this is something, and, and I hope to, I really hope that I get to see this through one day, which is essentially to, I'm leaning more and more towards probably creating a craft school somewhere here in the Midwest. And then um, also getting to a point of those shows, because those shows only happen on the East Coast and the West Coast and nowhere. I mean, Chicago. Okay, there is Chicago, but really nowhere else in between. And for one, I'm like, I don't want to have to necessarily uproot my life to one of the coasts just to become successful um, in the careers, let alone like you talked about. I mean, I've looked <laughs> at the cost for getting into those shows and I'm like, yeah, that's not happening um, like anytime soon. I mean, you know, you're talking thousands of dollars. Um, and if you're just getting started, I don't know how you ever have that money. And then it's one of those catch 22s, right? If you can't get to the show, then you can't grow the business to be able to afford to go to the show. Like, it's just this so what cycle. Do you do, you know? so, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I think like, I guess I foresee a future of maybe, in, I think it's good, yes, to continue to like have grants, scholarships available to for people to go to those things. But I think we also like the the I mean I am from Iowa so feel the dreams mentality which is if you build it they will come so <laughs> just I think we need to start building out some of these things in smaller communities because just because you live in a small community doesn't mean you can't appreciate fine furniture that you can't appreciate artwork that you can't appreciate these things like I think um 
And I think if it's done like grassroots community-based style, like everybody um, benefits from that, right? Because if it's if you if the focus is on community, I just think I don't know that it just grows us all together at the same time. Like there's no gatekeeping happening if you're opening it up to the whole community. Absolutely. And, you know, what comes to mind immediately is, you know, what Sarah Marriage has been able to do with Lou. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a great example. You know, she's in Baltimore. That is, you know, a very heavily populated area. And I, she works her butt off, you know, um, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, but, um, Another great thing, you know, through Women of Woodworking in that project is that there are people, you know, um, uh, you know, around the world that are creating these maker spaces and creating books and publications that are very community based. And I absolutely agree with you. I think that when you do it for the community, it 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 it's almost like it's almost like it can't fail, you yeah. know, like when the community sees what you're doing and sees the value in it, and once you have that support you know, it's, it's going to be a good outcome, you know, regardless, as long as, you know, you have the, that mission and that intent at the forefront always. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with you. I, I think that it's, it, it is very small steps that we've taken, but, you know, there needs to be maker spaces, you know, um, I'm trying to think even in a, a city like Charleston as yeah. cosmopolitan as it is, you know, um, we have, you know, Redux, a contemporary art center that does a lot of community-based, more contemporary art educational mm-hmm. outreach. You know, we have the Charleston Woodworking School, but as far as, you know, a, a strictly dedicated makerspace, you know, it's something that's always been talked about. Um, I, you know, another really interesting thing is, you know, again, pricing, you know, people being able to do these things for the mm-hmm. community that aren't necessarily about chasing a profit, but more about yeah. creating access tend to struggle whenever they're trying to exist in a neighborhood that's being, you know, eaten up by developers and right. want to make a profit off that space. So I know I get told very frequently and it always, it always pisses me off. I get told very frequently <laughs> that Katie, you have to make a profit if you're going to be a business. I don't like, why? <laughs> I have to make a profit. <laughs> why can't I just give everything this is a non-profit organization? <laughs> yes. Thank um oh that's funny I mean because I don't you know it's just one of those things it's it's kind of I think you said it earlier maybe a little bit of elitist status um you know going into it and and I hate to say this but generally what also goes with that is very few by you know population from BIPOC communities very not probably not as few from the queer community because um you know a lot of times they can be in dual income no kid type of situations and so they have a little bit more fluid um cash flow but still it tends to be heavily white heavily male (laughs) like that's who's making it um and that really is like the core and it was funny because I wrote this. I mean, I put this all out black and white, sent it to the university when I applied for my MFA of like, this sucks. This is not equity. Good and, for you. and this is why I'm coming here so that I can take this and give it to the people that, sh- I mean, not even should. I don't want to be a gatekeeper. I just want to share the information and say, like, exactly. if you want to go yeah. do this, go do it. Like, this is 
this is how, and that's why I say like, I hope to do things like a show in the Midwest, a thing like, because it's like, even if you share all the information, these things still cost so much money, all of that stuff. And um, I just don't think that's right. Like, I don't understand why we've, it's capitalism, but still, I don't understand like the, the, the why, when, like you said, I think if you stand back and look nationally, especially, there's a big wave coming. I mean, I think there is a reason that this show is now called Crafting a Revolution. Like, I really feel like there's this revolution coming where it's going to drastically change the face of, like, art and um, craft in this country, at least. And I love it, but there's still just, like, this this group that seems to kind of want to stand in the way and um I want to stop upholding that group I guess stop trying to play into that system and just build what the heck we want to build (laughs) I think um right and that's that's what you know you mentioned about like it being you know a grassroots movement we have more tools than ever before to be able to do things like that the door is open. The opportunity is here. We've got the skills. We've got the drive. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not build our own space? Why not build something new? I mean, that's what we do. You right. know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, it's, I, but I, I'm with you. And I, I feel, you know, of course, it's like it just takes time, which I'm, I know. <laughs> I want to like claw my own eyes out as I say that. Um, but you're absolutely right. It, it's, it's kind of like releasing this grip. Mm-hmm. that has been on and but you know it, like I have mentioned earlier I do feel like I you know look back when I I started woodworking and like how isolated I felt and it, it's easy for me because I feel like I've been like in the women of what you know all yeah, I do yeah, is talk yeah, about you yeah. know so but to look at the opportunities here and then also to talk to a lot of veterans you know that got into this you know into woodworking you know in the 60s and 70s when it was way you know yeah, more yeah. you know challenging for women to participate than it is, even is now and to see them participating and engaging in these projects it really warms my heart and to get the feedback you know um because they know they've been through it they've heard all the comments they've had all the denials they've you know faced yep. all the barriers and um you know they've not they're fired up and passionate Mm-hmm. But they want to they want to keep doing the work, too. I feel like we're all seeing kind of like across generations here how it just how important this work is. And we're in a really exciting time, I think, you know, we're uh, in a I'll, very divided- exciting and exhausting. I'm just going to put that on. Exciting and absolutely <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> you, know, you know, like exhausting, terrifying. Um, you know, and I know that's just like my annoying personality, but you know, I, I, I do see opportunity here. And, and what I do, do see, you know, the ultimate conflict here is we are chiseling away at things that no longer work. And yeah. there are certain people it's worked for them. They don't want change, but it's it's here it's, it's something like no matter what that has been that is yeah. the constant that is going to happen so um we're just we're in a very precarious time I mm-hmm. you know mentioned I'm like I wonder how people will look back at this time in history and think oh wow I bet it was crazy and be like y'all have no idea <laughs> you know and we're 
you know, we're still sitting here hoping and fighting for there to be a future. And um, we can't lose sight of that. We can't lose sight of that, that motivation. And um, it takes all the work, big, small, whatever people can do. You know, that's another thing we mentioned is, you know, we are having, a lot of us are having to be very intentional with our dollars, with our time, you know, that's important. And there, if you don't have the money, spend, you know, spend some time, volunteer, Mm -hmm. Um, even if it's just, you know, an hour on your computer. I mean, you are helping something bigger than yourself. Right. Um, There are a lot of ways that people can get involved and and give back, you know, take a class, you know, whatever. Um, And, and that's another conversation, you know, about students and, you know, people that are new to this is, you know, decreasing those types of, of barriers and, and access and just helping everyone build, you know, Mm -hmm. when, when one of us succeeds, you know, all of us can succeed and there's, there's plenty here. There is plenty here for us to be able to enjoy and, and support each other. And, um, yeah. I think that's like the perfect place for us to say that we've come to the end. All right. Our little, uh, conversation of the the host of uh, crafting a revolution. So yeah, I love it. <laughs> thanks for chatting today, Katie. Always fun. Yes, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So again, that was a conversation between Katie Thompson and myself, and I'll include links to both of us um, in the show notes for today, which you can find in your description for the podcast episode, both on your podcast app and on YouTube, or you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast to find show notes over there. Be sure to follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at crafting a revolution, no spaces, underscores, or periods, all one word, crafting a revolution. While there, you can hook up with your host, myself, Katie Freeman, at Freeman Furnishings, and co-host Katie Thompson at Women of Woodworking. A big shout out and thanks to Ashley Minnie, who wrote uh, and performed the theme song for Crafting a Revolution. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. If you didn't, don't worry about it. Next week, we will be back with one brand new episode. In the meantime, and as always, let's go craft a revolution.